0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Blue Shirts fans to episode number 49 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. This wild roller coaster of a season continues, but in a good way this time, the Rangers taking both games of a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday nights. They take down the Carolina Hurricanes in the Garden 5-3, and then they hit the road for a big 5-4 overtime victory against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. And you know, you play 82 games, every single season is going to have It's ebbs and flows, it's ups and downs, but this has just been crazy with the Rangers this season. You know, they were hanging on by a thread coming into these two games, and what I mean by that is they had just lost four out of five games going into the Christmas break. The only game that they won was against the Ducks. It's a Ducks team that isn't very good to begin with, and they were definitely compromised with injuries and illnesses throughout the locker room. So it definitely seemed like the holiday break served the Rangers well, and, you know, just when it's starting to look like, They might be in a free fall down the standings. You know, again, having lost four out of their last five, they bounce back with two big wins against teams that are each in front of them in the standings and two teams that each would be in the postseason if the season ended today. So this was huge. This was a huge couple of nights for the Rangers. And listen, if you're the Rangers, it really does not take much to turn this thing around. All it takes is just one little hot streak, and you are right back there as far as the postseason picture is concerned. And hopefully this is just the start of it because they had to really work hard to get these four points here. We're going to talk a little bit about the game against the Hurricanes and then dive into greater detail against the Maple Leafs. Two reasons. I mean, that game against the Maple Leafs was just incredible, so we got to talk about that. And also, just the fact that it happened more recently. It's kind of fresh in everybody's mind. And then... We'll move on and we'll kind of look ahead to the game against the Oilers. They play the Oilers on New Year's Eve to end the regular season. The puck drops in Edmonton at 9 p.m. on that night. And hopefully it's just another win for the Rangers. You can close out 2019 with three consecutive victories and look to the new year and just look to continue your ascent back up to the standings and back into the postseason picture. Like I said, not going to talk too much about the game against the Hurricanes on Friday, other than to say that, I mean, you just have to stand back in awe of what Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad continue to do for this team on a nightly basis. They combine for six points in this game, and they just—they're great players all the time. And even if they're in a slump, which I'm not so sure Artemi Panarin slumps. I I, I haven't seen it yet this season. And Mika Zibanejad, you could pretty much say the same thing. His numbers would be right up there with Panarin's, if not for, you know, missing the 10 or so games or however many it was. But bottom line— These guys are great no matter what, but they are both on fire right now. They can throw this team on their back and just kind of carry them as far as the goal scoring is concerned. The Rangers in this game took a 4-1 lead in the second period, and then the Hurricanes get one back near the end of the second to cut it to 4-2, and then they get a goal early in the third to cut it to 4-3. And this really is the biggest period of Ranger hockey to this season to this point. And the reason I say that is because, again, you come into this game having lost four out of your last five, and you're up four to one in this game late in the second period. If you lose this game, it's bad. I mean, it's basically the rock bottom point of the season because if you fall to the Hurricanes here, you have now lost five out of your last six games, including the most recent one where you would have given away a four to one lead late in the second period, at home, and lost that game as well. So that would not have been good at all, but fortunately, the Rangers get a goal from Ryan Strom, a little bit past the midway point of the third period. They go up 5-3, to three and they win by that score. Saw a game from Lunquist here as well. He has just absolutely owned the Hurricanes this season. He is now 3-0 and against the Canes with a 233 goals against average and a ridiculous 947 save percentage in those three games. He's really been at the top of his game, and he allowed the three goals in this game tonight, but again, coming up with 39 saves, a solid night for the King. And then one more positive development for the Rangers coming out of the Carolina Hurricanes game. They snap an 0 for 18 drought in the power play, and they go 2 for 4 in this game, and You know, I don't think that the Rangers necessarily deserved to be 0 for their last 18. I don't think the power play was quite as inept as that would suggest. But there were some power plays in there that they kind of just gave away. And just good to see them break out of it here with a couple of goals moving into the next game against Toronto. Unfortunately, the Rangers really didn't get much of a chance to follow up their strong power play effort against Toronto because they only had one power play in that game and they did not convert on it. But let's not bury the lead here. This was just an absolutely wild game, back and forth, a lot of up and down kind of hockey. All gas, no breaks the entire game. And the Rangers, of course, win in overtime after Tony D'Angelo scores just 52 seconds into the extra time. And this is right after Alex Georgiev made just a fantastic save. He had to move hard and fast to his right. I believe it was Matthews who he just stoned on the doorstep. And then Ryan Strom corrals the puck behind the net. He sends an outlet pass to Artemi Panarin. And just like that, the Rangers, they're on the rush. They go in 2 on one Panarin delays at the puck. He holds onto it for as long as he can. He gets it to Tony D'Angelo. And D'Angelo goes short side to beat Freddie Anderson for the game winner. Just a fantastic win for the Rangers. And now look, you might look at this... And if you're kind of glass half empty, you might point to the fact that the Rangers blew a 2-0 lead in the third period. And that is true. And they also gave up the equalizer with less than a minute to go there. I get all that. But if you watch this game... It's not as bad as it seems because you look at what the Toronto Maple Leafs were doing in this game. They were absolutely swarming. They were absolutely peppering Georgiev with shots from start to finish. It was just kind of a wild, fast-paced game, a ton of scoring opportunities for both teams. And I knew going into this third period, look, the Rangers had the 4-2 to lead, and that was great, but they had their work cut out for them to hold this team off. I think as far as just pure skill goes, Show me a team in the Eastern Conference that has more skill than the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have so many threats on this team, so many snipers, so many guys who can make plays. You know, you could look at the Bruins there, obviously, or the Capitals. Both teams having fantastic seasons, but I don't know. They're a little bit more top-heavy than the Maple Leafs are. I mean, top to bottom, the Maple Leafs, there's so many guys that can score on this team, and it was scary. You know, this was a scary third period, and the Rangers just not quite able to hold them off a bad deflection. You know, Ryan Lindgren's trying to block the the shot. It's not his fault. But the shot from Austin Matthews deflects off of Lindgren's stick, and it goes up over Georgiev's shoulder and into the net, and that's how the Maple Leafs tied the game. But the Rangers, they didn't panic. They regrouped. They did what they had to do in the overtime period. Again, you know, you play three-on-three overtime. It's a little bit of a toss-up, but the Rangers hung in there. They got another outstanding save by Alex Georgiev in the overtime period, and that led directly to the odd man rush and Tony D'Angelo sending the Rangers home happy. A huge, huge win in Toronto, and Toronto was hot. They had won six straight games coming into this night. And just to talk a little bit more about Georgiev, I thought he was phenomenal in this game, and or as phenomenal as a goalie could be when they give up four goals, and that's where hockey has changed, because, you know, if you look back to about, you know, 20 years ago, say, say it's like 1999, let's go back to the 90s, if you're a goalie and you give up four goals in a game in 1999, it was a lower-scoring league, and bottom line, you probably had a Pretty bad night. I mean, there were some exceptions to that rule, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure there were performances back then, even when you know you might win a game five to four and you gave up four goals, but you were under constant fire. I'm sure that happened from time to time. But in today's day and age, you can be a goalie in the NHL and give up four goals, and you know, obviously that's not going to do any favor to your goals against average and probably not your save percentage either. But you could have a night like that, and it's still a great night, and this is a great example of it. I mean, Georgiev was under constant fire in this game. He made so many clutch saves. Some of the kick saves that he made really impressed me. It was just full extension from both pads. There was a sequence where he made two back-to-back pad saves, one with each leg, and just had to kick his leg out, you know, full extension in both directions on both shots. Georgiev was awesome in this game, and, you know, don't let the four goals fool you. He stood on his head, and he did it against a team that embarrassed him. You know, uh, eight days before this, the Maple Leafs absolutely just wrecked Georgiev. They put up six goals against him, and unlike this game, there were quite a few soft goals allowed by Georgiev on that night. You know, he gave up at least three soft goals in that other meeting against the Maple Leafs, but he bounced back here tonight, again, against a very dangerous team in their building, and a team that Basically, just blistered him a week earlier. And this is the first time that Georgiev had played since that game as well. So, a great bounce back performance from him. We've seen his resilience at different times this season, and we saw it again in this game. And, you know, again, don't let the four goals fool you. He was awesome. There were also a couple of transactions and some injury news, you know, prior to these games and in between these games and after these games, so I just want to bring everybody up to speed there. I'm sure by now everybody knows about Brendan Lemieux. He sustained a broken hand in the win against the Hurricanes, and unfortunately, he's going to be out for three to four weeks. And you guys know this, but with Lemieux, it's not always about scoring goals. It's more about, you know, just that hustle, that determination, that grit that he brings to the rink every night. And that's something that the Rangers are going to have, you know, a hard time to replace. I know there's plenty of players on this team that play hard and they leave it all on the ice. But Brennan Lemieux is a special case. I mean, you can tell just by the way he looks after these games. We've talked about that as well, where he basically looks like he's just gone, you know, 15 rounds with Ivan Drago. And he's somebody who just skates every shift like it's his last. And I think he's just one of those guys that holds everybody accountable, you know, just by his style of play, the way he's willing to, you know, throw himself in front of shots, the way he's willing to, you know, mix it up with Tom Wilson, all the things that he does on the ice, he's just a scrappy, gritty player. He's not going to back down from anybody, despite, you know, not always being the biggest guy out there. And he's somebody that the Rangers are definitely going to miss. So, you know, we'll look forward to, to getting him back on the ice and we'll see how the Rangers handle it in the meantime. Now, they initially called up Stephen Fogarty. Fogarty was a third-round pick by the Rangers, going 72 overall in 2011, and he's only played 12 career games at the NHL level. He played just the one game this year. He's actually already been sent back down to the minors, but he played just the one game this year. He logged just 2 minutes and 46 seconds of ice time against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He played 10 games last year and just one game the year before that. He has yet to record a point in those 12 games at the NHL level, but he's a guy who overall has produced in the minors, at least to a certain extent. Fogarty is second on the Hartford Wolfpack this season with 23 points. He has scored nine goals and dished out 14 assists. And Fogarty joined the Wolfpack in 2015-2016, but he only skated in three games that season. But last year, by far his best season with the Wolfpack, 66 games, 21 goals, 31 assists. So a guy who, you know, hopefully eventually he's still just 26 years old. I mean, that almost seems kind of old, you know, when you look at what the Rangers are doing and how young this team is, but somebody who I'm sure the Rangers still have, you know, fairly high hopes for, and they, they hope that he can eventually be a contributor at the NHL level. But for now, he is back with the Hartford Wolfpack. I have not seen any news about a corresponding move as far as who's going to take his spot on the active roster, if there's going to be another call up from the Wolfpack, but we will keep our eyes on that. But, yeah, I mean, with Brendan Lemieux, and, you know, I don't like to use the war analogy. You know, every now and then, y- y- you hear it with football quite a bit. Oh, it's a war out there. And sometimes with hockey, oh, it's a war. It's a battle. It's, the-. it's not war, okay? These are games. War is war. These are sports. These are games, okay? But if I'm ever going to go there, if I'm ever going to say that it looked like somebody went through a war, you know, after a game, it's Brendan Lemieux. I mean— This guy looks like he's been through a war at the end of games. I mean, just look at his face. You know, it's always banged up. And it's going to be hard, like we said, to replace that grit, that fire that Lemieux brings to the table every single night. And again, you know, Lemieux only had the five goals and eight assists in 35 games this season. He has just one assist in his last nine games. But again, it's not really about that with Lemieux. He brought the intangibles to the rink every night, and the Rangers absolutely going to miss Brendan Lemieux while he's gone. We also have to talk about the fact that Brendan Smith was a healthy scratch against Toronto. I believe a healthy scratch for the first time all season. And, you know, it's weird because I, I got to give Brendan Smith some credit for, you know, being willing to be moved from defense onto the wing this season. It's not something he's familiar with. And he does add a little bit of versatility for the Rangers But this is a guy who signed a four-year, $17.4 million contract with the Rangers. He is in year three of that deal. He'll also be under contract next season. That is an average annual value of $4.35 million per season, and he is actually the eighth highest paid player on the Rangers, and yet here he is as a healthy scratch. The Rangers—they really have some albatross contracts. Uh, you can also throw Mark Stall in with that. He's been a healthy scratch at times this season. He's making five point seven million dollars per season. And Brady Shea—you know—that's not looking so good either because he's played well at times this season. But Brady Shea is the sixth highest-paid player on the Rangers. He signed a six-year, thirty-one and a half million-dollar contract. That is an average annual value of five point two five million. So there are a lot of guys right now on the Rangers who are making big bucks. That you know, frankly, and I. I I'm not trying to, you know, throw these guys under the bus or anything like that, but these don't really seem like they're very good contracts. And Brennan Smith, you know, he's kind of just the newest example of that because here he is as a healthy scratch. You know, this is a guy, I'm sure when the Rangers signed him to this big money contract, they didn't envision moving him to the wing of the fourth line and, you know, just have limited ice time. You know, they signed him to be probably a top four defenseman and a guy who's, you know, going to be a key part of what they do on the blue line. And unfortunately, you know, and Smith, you know, to his credit, he he was willing to, to make this move for the team. It opens up some spots on the blue lines for some other Ranger defensemen that they want to get into the lineup. Bottom line, I don't know any other way to say this, and I don't dislike Brendan Smith, but this contract really, I don't think, is paid off. And it'll be interesting to see how they use him moving forward. Obviously, we just mentioned that Fogarty has gone back down to the minors. And Michael Haley is constantly in and out of the lineup. So I do think Brendan Smith will be back out there on Tuesday against the Oilers. This is probably just a one-game thing because, you know, Michael Haley likely to be a healthy scratch again and Stephen Fogarty at least momentarily out of the picture. But yeah, I mean, for a guy that's making this much money, you know, he's, he's barely, you know, hanging on to even just being an active player at this point. So, we're going to do a whole separate episode eventually where I talk about some of these, you know, bad contracts that the Rangers have given out over the last few years. And you know, they're not all terrible contracts. I don't want to make it sound like Brendan Smith is worthless or anything like that because he does have a physical presence. I think he does play hard, he cares. He scored that ridiculous goal earlier this season where you just didn't even know he had a move like that in him when he went in on the breakaway and scored. But yeah, Brendan Smith is just one of a couple of guys who really have big contracts and maybe the Rangers not quite getting their money's worth out of him. So we're going to have a whole episode on that. There's a couple of guys I want to talk about that fit that description as, you know, maybe being just a little bit overpaid. And in hockey, you know, the salary cap is tight, so you can't afford to be overpaying guys. You can't afford to sign guys to, you know, fairly big money deals and then have them, you know, not really give you a whole lot in return. Otherwise, you end up you know, not being a very good team. It's hard to overcome a lot of bad contracts or, or subpar contracts, I guess would be the better word, because none of the guys that I'm going to talk about when I do that episode, I think, have given nothing to the Rangers. I mean, they all, they all bring a little bit to the table, but again, you, know, you just can't be shelling up big money for guys who aren't going to consistently make an impact. And as for Brendan Smith, like I said, I think this is just a one-game thing. I think the smart money is on him being back out there on the ice when the Rangers take on the Edmonton Oilers on Tuesday. And just to kind of give you guys the cliff notes of this game against the Maple Leafs, again, just a wild game, and the Rangers take an early lead in this one. Ryan Strom has the puck behind the net. He passes in front to Brett Howden in the slot. Howden kind of steps back, flicks a wrist shot into the twine, and it's 1-0, 141 in the first period. And Brett Howden, a guy that we've talked about, the Rangers need to get him going a little bit. He's kind of moved up and down between the third line and the fourth line. But a big goal here. He recently snapped a lengthy scoring drought, so hopefully, you know, that kind of, relieve some of the the pressure a little bit and he can just relax and play hockey and, and you know get back to doing what he does and you know again he's a young player but he's a guy the Rangers if they're gonna make a run they need him to take a couple steps forward here and, and hopefully they're just starting to get him going And he's moved to the wing recently, and that's really cool, too, A, that he was willing to do that, and B, you know, I think it helps him. He's a young player. There's not quite as much on your plate when you're playing the wing as when you're playing center. So, yeah, you know, the Rangers were in a little bit of a partial line change here, and that's why it was Strom who passed to Howden. But they made it work. Howden gets the goal. And you know what? Leave leave Howden on the wing going forward. I see no reason not to do that because it seems to have gotten him going just a little bit here. The Leafs get one back, tie the game at one when William Nylander scores late in the first period and also very late on the power play. The Ranger penalty killers were just gassed on this. I mean, they're they're just back on their heels. They basically were in their own zone for the entire two minutes here and just, just really running on fumes toward the end of this power play, and the Leafs make them pay. Nylander scores. The game is tied at one. But then just about three, three and a half minutes later, uh, Ryan Strom gives the Rangers a lead. And just an excellent play by Panarin here. You know, he swoops in to intercept a pass. The Maple Leafs are trying to get the puck out of their own zone. And they look to move the puck with kind of like an outlet pass through the middle. But Panarin, he zips into the zone. He intercepts the pass, and then as he's falling to the ice, he dishes to his right to Ryan Strome. Strome moves across the goal crease. He pulls the puck to his backhand, and he tucks it home. And just like that, the Rangers up 2-1, to one, less than halfway through the first period. And we see that combination strike again. You know, Panarin and Strome, they have a special, unique chemistry out there on the ice. And Ryan Strome's game goes to a whole nother level when he's out there with Panarin, because again, this is really pretty much by far. I mean, there's one other season that might be a little bit comparable in Ryan Strom's career to this one that he's having right now, but Strom is just having an awesome season. He is on pace to just, you know, set new career highs across the board, and playing with Artemi Panarin, obviously a huge part of that, and you can say that for anybody. You know, anybody who goes on the ice with Panarin, their game is going to, you know, see an uptick, but I think that's more true of Ryan Strom than anybody else we've seen. So leave these two guys together, man, because when Ryan, when Ryan Strom is on the ice with Artemi Panarin, he's a whole different player. He's that much bigger of a threat, and I just love it, man. These two have big time chemistry. They've set each other up for so many goals this season. There have been so many times where Strome, you know, drives to the net and scores his his goals right from the doorstep, thanks to you know a beautiful pass from Artemi Panarin. I mean, that has happened so many times this season, and it happens again here. And for that matter, I love Jesper Foss with these two guys as well. I think it kind of helps Foss. Foss adds a little bit of grit. I think he compliments the other two guys very well. I love this line, man. They were they were clicking earlier in the season, and now the band's kind of back together recently. So leave them together. Give me, give me Panarin, Stroman, Foss every single night. As long as it's working, hey, I've said this before. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And this line is anything but broke. And then Pavel Buchnevich goes in on a breakaway all alone. He is hooked down, and he gets a penalty shot. Unfortunately, you know, he tries to go five-hole, made a couple decent moves there, but Freddie Anderson makes a save, keeps the puck out, still 2-1 to Rangers. Buchnevich really in a slump lately, and the Rangers are trying everything they can to get him going. They've moved him up to the top line. He's alongside Kreider and zabanjad and Kreider and zabanjad both, man. You know, they are trying so hard to get this guy a goal. Uh, Zabanajad a couple times tonight, you know, getting the puck to, to Buchnevich, and in high percentage scoring spots on the ice, and, you know, Kreider was the one who set him up with this breakaway. He's, he sent the the long outlet pass to kind of spring him. They're trying. Buchnevich at least, you know, he's been slumping, but he's at least been a little bit more visible on the ice. He's close. I feel like he, he's close to, you know, kind of getting it going here. I'm not giving up on Bucinevich. I know at times, you know, Ranger fans get frustrated with him because he's very inconsistent, and it seems like he kind of just disappears for, for games at a time, but recently, I mean, he's very visible out there. He's doing everything except, you know, finishing and putting the puck in the net. Maybe a little bit indecisive with the puck. You know, there was a time in this game where he had the puck on the right face-off circle, kind of on the inside of the right face-off circle near, near the hash marks, and just didn't know whether he wanted to shoot or pass and kind of just get caught in between and just kind of turn the puck over. So I still think he's close. He's getting some chances. Hang in there with Buchnevich. I, I really do believe he's going to snap out of this sooner or later. And, of course, you know, playing on the top line and getting big-time minutes with Kreider and Zabanajad does not hurt. We'll see if that's how the Rangers continue to roll him out going forward. So we move to the second period, and Ryan Strom just scores from out of nowhere. Just an absolute snipe. Part of a four-point night for him, by the way. But basically, he just moves up the right wing. He gets to the top of the face-off circle, winds back, and tattoos a slap shot into the net. Puts the Rangers up 3-1. to Again, this really kind of just came out of nowhere. And Coach Quinn has been telling Ryan Strom that he wants to see him shoot more. Strom obliges here, you know. Maybe if Quinn doesn't say that, maybe this is a a spot where, you know, Strom either passes or tries to play the puck behind the net or just kind of delays with the puck. But bottom line, he didn't do any of that. He winds back. When in doubt, like we've said, the Rangers have made it a point of emphasis. We as fans all want them to do it more. Put the puck at the net. And right here, you know, you didn't really know for sure that this was going to be a goal. I mean, it, it didn't really look like it was that dangerous of an opportunity. But hey, like we keep saying, you know, you put the puck at the net and good things are going to happen. And then kind of a bad goal given up by the Rangers here. You know, it wasn't Georgiev's fault, but Mika Zibanejad wins a faceoff in the Rangers zone and Truba and... Shea, just a little bit of miscommunication, kind of like a, you know, I got it, you take it kind of situation with the puck. And the next thing you know, the puck goes right to Austin Matthews and he just drills a slap shot home to cut the lead to 3 2. I don't know if it was just miscommunication between Shea and Truba, but that really can't happen. You know, that's a big face off win by Zabanejad in that situation. Any draw in the offensive or defensive zone. You know it, it's that much more important because you can either create or prevent a scoring opportunity off of every faceoff that you win in those situations. But here, you know, unfortunately, they just turn the puck over, and Austin Matthews makes them pay, and it's three to two just like that. But then Mika Zibanejad picks up his teammates late in the second period. He is sprung on a partial breakaway by Chris Kreider. He's but he's going up the right wing, so he can't go you know straight to the net. And he what he does is. He fakes a slap shot. I mean, it looked like he was just going to tattoo it and then slips a shot right through the five hole for the goal. I think maybe Anderson initially thought that Zibanejad was going to go for the slap shot. And then when he didn't go for the slap shot, maybe that he was going to try to go around him and go short side. But instead, Zibanejad, I mean, he's just a magician, just puts the puck right between his legs. If anyone has any doubt left of whether Mika Zibanejad is a true bonafide superstar, top 20 type player in this league. You can forget about it after this goal. This was just a thing of beauty. There's only a couple guys in hockey who are going to make a play like this. Zibanejad is the real deal. And along with Panarin, the Rangers have two bona fide superstars after so many years of not even having one. And both of them are just on fire right now. And it's big because if you're the Rangers, now you can get away with, you know, other guys being in slumps. You know, Philip Heedle's in a bit of a slump. He hasn't done much. Capo Caco really has done nothing recently. Pavel Buchnevich has done very little, and if you're the Rangers, you can get away with all of this because you've got two superstars who are just throwing the team on their back right now as far as goal scoring is concerned, and they're both just firing on all cylinders and just bringing it every night. You can't keep these guys off the score sheet right now. They are going to be responsible for a couple of goals per night, it seems like, and that's just awesome to see, and that's what good teams do. They pick each other up because the Rangers do have some forwards that are slumping right now, but we're not really feeling the effects of it as much as we could be because these two guys are just are just shouldering the load and just giving us their all on an every-night basis. And as we talked about, you know, the Rangers go into the third period with a two-goal lead, but this was not going to be easy to hang on to this lead, and indeed, they could not hang on to this lead. Georgiev was great again. But unfortunately, just one too many scoring opportunities for the Maple Leafs. D'Angelo, I thought he had a little bit of a tough night before he got the overtime winner, and that's why it was so great to see him end his night on a positive. But a turnover by D'Angelo in the neutral zone basically led right to a Maple Leafs goal, and that allowed Toronto to trim the lead to to 4-3 at that point with about 13 minutes to go. And then toward the end, man, just just a couple of wild scrambles in front of the Ranger net. I mean, they are doing everything they can, but Toronto's relentless, man. And again, I don't... Look at this as, oh, the Rangers blew it. I look at this as, man, Toronto is unreal. I mean, they are unreal with the amount of pressure that they put on you during a game, and they end up getting the equalizer. They get a fortuitous bounce, as we discussed, off the stick of Ryan Lindgren and into the net with 52 seconds remaining. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, the Maple Leafs just kept coming, and the Rangers just couldn't quite hold them off long enough. But again, big-time response by the Rangers. They respond to adversity. And they score the goal in overtime just fifty-two seconds in. D'Angelo sends us all home happy. And just like that, look at the Rangers, they just their last four games were a pair of back to backs and they come away with three wins in those four games. So you gotta be happy with that. You gotta take that. And now let's just end the year on a positive and find a way to go into Edmonton, get another two points, and end the year on a three game winning streak. And the only other really big point that I want to make before we wrap up here, just kind of some closing thoughts here. If you're the Rangers, ask yourself this question. Who can't we hang with in this league? Who, Which team in this league can we not play with? Because if you're the Rangers, you just took down a deadly efficient Maple Leafs team in their building and a team that really basically just wrecked you the last time you played. Now, granted, their last meeting, it was three to three going into the third period and the Maple Leafs just kind of pulled away. So I get that. But you're playing a team that is second in the NHL in goals per game. I believe it was 3.51 coming into this game. And that's actually gone up now because they scored four goals. But you went into their building and you took them down. And you did it while playing their game. This game was an absolute track meet up and down the ice. Just all gas the entire time. And I know the Rangers, you know, they have a fast team too. And they have a north-south team as well. But man, I don't know if anybody in hockey is doing it quite like the Maple Leafs are doing it right now. I mean, it is just an absolute track meet. There's just so much speed on the ice for those guys. They have so many dangerous playmakers. There were a ton of shots, a ton of scoring opportunities, and the Rangers still find a way to win this game. And I don't know if this is a sustainable recipe for success against a team like the Maple Leafs, and I'm sure maybe there were times in this game where the Rangers coaches may have preferred if the guys slowed the game down a little bit. But the fact remains, the Rangers went toe-to-toe with this high-scoring game. Dangerous team in their building on the second game of a back to back, mind you. And now, granted, the Maple Leafs were on a back to back as well, but they went in and the Rangers beat them at their own game. That is just awesome. And again, if the Rangers can come up with two points in a game like this against such a good opponent, a team that was absolutely on fire with six straight wins coming into the game, just firing on all cylinders, then what can't the Rangers do? What team in this league can the Rangers not compete with? And I'm not sitting here and saying that the Rangers are better than every single team. They're not, but they can hang with anybody. They can play any kind of game, and they proved that tonight against a team that was, again, just on fire. So, again, just an outstanding performance by the Rangers. you got to be really proud of this team if you're a fan. And, yeah, let's end this year on a positive note. Let's get another two points against the Oilers. And, once again, if you want to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again for joining, guys. We'll see you next time.